0: from a tactic standpoint i think the digital space has gotten so cluttered you need to stand out so how do you stand out you know i think you can stand out by having quality advertising so connecting with someone on an emotional level whatever that may be you can also stand out by owning the space it's the authenticity of the business the purpose of the business and i think it's the the creativity Welcome to Top of Mind,
1: a show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become Top of Mind. There's an age old balance between agency and company. They live in symbiosis, whether the relationship is healthy or not. But the fact of the matter is, they both exist for the reason. My guest today has a unique perspective because he's been on both sides of that fence. Currently, he's the head of brand advertising at Amazon Business, the B2B marketplace arm of Amazon. In his role, he's helped grow the business. From 1 billion to 10 billion in annual sales over the last three years. Join me live, Rick Bowie. Thanks for a lot for jumping on, Rick. Hey, Stuart. Something I've been noticing you doing on LinkedIn recently is uh, hosting open office scheduled calls. Uh, yeah. Have you been doing them weekly or, or every couple of months? Or? Yeah,
0: office hours. Yeah, I've been two hours a week. So I end up connecting with four people. I've been doing it for a couple of months, and it's it's been great. It's been honestly, it's been some of the best parts of my week to just meet new people, and some of the conversations are the same, but you know, it's good. It's good to hear other people's perspectives, and you know, I I feel like during kind of the COVID kind of situation we're dealing with, was was feeling a lack of social connection, even with kind of my team, and so this has been a good way to to use the power of LinkedIn for for what it you know is intended for from a networking standpoint and 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 meet new people and hopefully help them learn from me and then obviously learn from them it's honestly kind
1: of surprising that linkedin hasn't rolled out some kind of like networking feature during all this it's it's kind of a missed opportunity but obviously i've see i've seen a couple other people do it was the reason we why you wanted to get that going was to meet others or is there another reason
0: yeah i mean it's it's part of it's you know i just want to put some good karma good karma out there and, and help give back the best way I, I feel like I can right now. LinkedIn has inspired me in many ways. I've, I've had LinkedIn since college. And so I've, I've had it for probably 12 years, but really haven't used it for what it's meant for until the last year. And, you know, I've been, just been inspired by the amount of sharing that that takes place on the platform and you know i think in some ways though it doesn't feel very it feels very one-sided in some ways it's you know you're relying on people or yourself to put content out there and it's you know people project their opinion yeah. and yeah. I think it's been, for me, it's been nice to, you know, still use that platform to do that, but also have real conversations. And it's not about vanity metrics. It's about honest and real conversations and, and having kind of that human connection to it. So, and again, it's, you know, I feel like that's a small thing I can do every week to, as a way to give back or a a way to kind of, you know, put some good karma, karma points out there. And, and I've been, I've been very happy with the interest and the uh, conversations I've had. And again, I've, you know, it's it's the perspectives gained. I've talked to senior execs. I've talked to students. I've talked to people in Europe and people, uh, a guy in Oklahoma, you know, it's like all over the place, but it's, it's just been, it's been great to hear yeah. different perspectives. And, and to me, perspectives is a is a key word that the last three months have really kind of... Perspective has really come up in the last three months for me. Just, you know, looking at my position, my job security, my family's health, my living conditions, and, you know, comparing that to people who are maybe struggling a little bit. And I think it's it's been humbling in many ways. But so I very much... Keen in on just making sure I'm I'm getting other people's perspective on you know whether it's advertising, branding, work life, progression to, to make sure I'm I'm uh, sharpening my outlook, uh, but also helping helping others who you know may have questions or or, or may be seeking further insights themselves. You you
1: mentioned there have been a couple of reoccurring themes that come up. Are there any branding or, or advertising themes that you've heard repeatedly in these conversations that, that you've had to think through and, and you kind of refine?
0: I think, you know, maybe not surprising, but a, a big conversation point has been COVID and then good and mostly bad. Ways that companies are—I don't want to say taking advantage of, but participating in—you know—from a from an advertising standpoint, it's there's a lot of really just pointless advertising out there. I'd say it's getting better, but you know these whole these commercials around, like we're here for you, we're in this together. It's like, okay, come on. Um, but don't
1: you think that that pointless advertising happens even when there's not a pandemic? I see a lot of ads that are just kind of like. I don't know. Feel good, but they don't they don't prove a point and they don't really bring anything.
0: No, I mean, but for me, this this has been a good this is one area where, you know, I'm still very young in my career. I've got kind of big aspirations ahead of me. This is this is a this is a good learn learning lesson for all of us. You know, so I, I plan on spending some time to kind of reflect on what are the things I've seen, what are the things I've learned, what are what are examples of companies doing doing it well doing it bad and 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 you know making sure I'm documenting that so that if and when I'm ever in a position to where something like this happens I've got you know I've got some history I can hopefully learn from and and make sure that you know I I just I think most I think most businesses certainly the large corporations were not ready for this and most of them are not able to pivot quickly they're not able to to do things in an agile fashion and so you know you get kind of caught up in in scrambling trying to figure out what to do and and you know i think companies and brands that that remain authentic or or have some authenticity to their marketing are the ones that went out and so there's there's two examples that for me come to mind of, of, uh, of late that I thought did a great job with their COVID-related advertising. One is Progressive. They did, I don't know if you've seen the YouTube, I posted about the a few weeks ago, they did a, a commercial where their Progressive characters were <laughs> were trying to figure out how to do a video conferencing meeting and not surprising, it went, you know and it was, it, it, yeah so it's was like it's it's completely authentic to who they are you would expect that from them and it was very relevant in the moment and the other one is the heineken and this to me was very much unexpected but very you know kind of a surprise and delight type moment but heineken they they had a commercial come out about a week or so ago talking about connections and it was a it was the play on words of you know we all want to stay connected with one, uh, one another our families our coworkers our friends but we also have to deal with connections from a bandwidth standpoint and you know they had a fun fun just kind of you know commercial put around that and of course Heineken you know it was for Heineken and so their their beer was present through the entire thing but it felt very it didn't feel forced and again it felt very relevant to kind of real life challenges that we're all having so you know so those are those are kind of two examples that I've I've taken note of recently of of brands that I think did did a good job and again being authentic to who they are not forcing it and you know standing out from you know amongst a, a sea of not so great advertising <laughs>
1: Just before we move on on the documentation side, I just like to hear kind of how people organize their like I don't know do you have a swipe file or like how are you documenting these things that you're learning as you, as we go?
0: Yeah, you know, honestly, I'm more and more using LinkedIn for it. So whether or not I post is one thing, but I and I don't know how many people know about this feature. It's I kind of stumbled into it, but there's a, you know, you can save posts people's posts on linkedin and so i use that to I, I save content a couple times a week from you know people whether it's my connections or something that just pops up in my feed but things that that i think could be relevant now or two weeks or six months from now and you know that that's a great resource to go back to and so i i've got like a monthly reminder on my calendar just to go back and look through it and you know nothing stands out. Other times there are things that that I'm working on where, you know, someone has spoken about that I found, you know, I thought would be relevant. And, you know, it, it, it turns out it, it was, it was more timely a month from now. So Mm -hmm. that, that is really kind of been my go to because I, I spend probably too much time (laughs) on LinkedIn, but that's kind of been a great place for me to have a little repository.
1: If I'm not mistaken, you started your career in an agency role. Is that right? Yeah. It's kind of inevitable that if you're in marketing and uh, you're at a small or even at a large company, at one point, you're going to have to kind of outsource some work to an agency. Or if you are working at an agency, you're you're, going to have to find clients. Maybe if you've got a couple off the top of your head, like what are some common mistakes? Let's start on the agency side. What are some common mistakes that agencies make? when dealing with customers. And then we can flip it and say, what are some mistakes that companies do when engaging with with agencies?
0: One big mistake, and I won't take credit for this saying, it was Johnny Cahill, who's the, who's the CMO at Heineken. He spoke kind of on this a little bit at Brand Week last year. And just the whole idea of shit in, shit out. So for example, if a brief is not good, the work's likely not gonna be good. And at the end of the day, who gets blamed? It's the agency. And so just the whole idea of it's as an agency, it's your responsibility to make sure that your requirements, whatever they might be are met and to challenge the brand, the customer to, to meet those expectations. I think it's often, it's it's easy just to take what you get and try to figure it out but you know if you're not if your requirements up front aren't clear if your strategy up front's not clear if your objectives not clear it's just going to end up getting messy down the road so i think you know from from experience on both sides i think that's that's one of the biggest mistakes that i've seen is just that those up front you know expectations and, and requirements gathering and making sure that it's very clear as to what needs to get done.
1: And when you when you just, when you talk about that, are these performance metrics? Like, are these new acquisitions of customers, or are they more like deliverables?
0: Yeah, it's more like the strategy. Like, what are we trying to do? You know, what's the what's the? I'll go back again to another conference. So. Um, the CMO of Burger King spoke on this a little bit too. Advertising week last year, and he talked about how their creative briefs, they keep them as simple as possible. And so he he gave an example of they needed to do a campaign for their, their mobile app payment system. They were like the third or fourth fast food company to come out with payment through their app so they weren't first to market on this there was nothing innovative nothing new but their objective was to increase usage of the app so it was very clear what the end the end goal needed to be they basically like that was their brief essentially and then what they do is they let their creative people have as little input or take as little input as possible to allow them to think as far and as wide as they can. And you know, he even said he was like, we like ideas that scare the shit out of us. And, you know, like the, I, I admire that. But it was if his point was, same thing with Johnny, is is that the objective of the campaign needs to be crystal clear and that needs to be your guiding light. And so, you know, making sure everyone is aligned on what the what the objective is, whether it's increased app usage or A registration or what have you. I I think that there's opportunity in the way these briefs are put together. There's just so much stuff, and there's opportunity to muddy it down, and there's opportunity to confuse what really needs to happen. Yeah,
1: I like that. And then from the from the customer side, is there anything like to be more clear when engaging? But anything else come to mind that could help? facilitate that relationship both the onboarding and offboarding or like to make it a better uh more meaningful
0: yeah i mean i i think they need to be accountable as well i i, I think i've got i i really am happy with the the way my career has progressed to having started an agency first because like we go back to the word perspective as now being on the brand, I have a I have the perspective of having done this in an agency. Like I know how this all works. I know what bad client feedback looks like. I know what bad I know what bad just agency processes look like. And so, you know, I, I think but it's not not every brand marketer or or client has that experience or perspective to know what is good or what is bad. And that's where, you know, it really, the the agency needs to be strong in their communication and their expectations around how the work needs to get done, which is, it's hard because the client pays the bills. So Mm -hmm. oftentimes it's just easy to do what you're told. One of the reasons why, frankly, I, Wanted to get out of client services. I spent the first eight years of my career in it. Was I was, I was tired of recommending ideas or things to do and being told that no, we're not doing that. You know, like I just, I, I okay, I have no control. You you do what you want, but it's you know, it's so it's at times it's kind of a helpless helpless feeling. And you know, I think as again as a, you know, or I guess to add as a client, I'm very cognizant of the relationship. I I get the chills when I hear the word vendor. And part of that's because I've been in agency client or excuse me, client vendor relationships where it was you do what you're told. I've also been in true, you know, more, more like partnerships. And so I try to take all of my experience from the agency and 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 even to the extent of like just making sure my feedback is clear. I don't like to be the bad client giving bad feedback, you know, and I, I will tell our agency partners, you know, bad feedback alert. I don't like this image. I can't tell you why. I just don't like it, you know, but I, otherwise I try to be very clear my feedback and, and making sure it, it doesn't necessarily open up an av- avenue to be to be misinterpreted. So there's a lot, there's a lot in there, but I I do think, you know, I've got, I've got a soft place in my heart for agency people because I I know the challenges that you have to go through.
1: Yeah. And I like that it gave you that perspective too, now that you're a more empathetic customer because you realize that they're they're, you're not their only case that they're dealing with and they probably want to pursue that thing, but someone else is shutting it down and they are just as creative as you, but they're, they're constrained in different ways.
0: Yeah, I think I've got a healthy balance of respect for agency people, but also I've got a healthy level of, of skepticism, you know, honestly, because I know how the sausage is made and <laughs> I know it's not always pretty. And I know when I was 23, 24 and I had my two I had my boss and skip level leave and I was man I I was again twenty three, twenty-four managing a multi-million dollar Microsoft website redesign. Uh, and they were asking me how we should be speaking to SMBs. It was it was complete fake it till you make it, you know. Like I I don't know. We'll make it work.
1: You only read so many marketing books to answer that question. Yeah.
0: In a very professional and respectful way, look at look for ways to challenge challenge them a little more just because, again, I know how I've got the experience of doing this on their side.
1: Obviously, experience is a, is a really helpful thing to have earlier in career. What what are some other foundational skills or fundamentals that any budding marketer should be looking at developing?
0: To me, there's a there's a couple things. And, and, and this probably isn't just marketing, but I, I feel like they've helped me in my career. I, I'll say two. So one is ownership. It's a big thing at Amazon we talk about ownership. So, you know, owning something from beginning to end. Think of everything you're doing as your business and you need to be operating it as if it is your business and making sure that, you know, you're you're thinking through the customer impacts, the the marketing plan, the metrics, the, you know, and and so it's just really owning your space and being responsible and accountable for it. The second thing is is it, it is attention to detail. Like I'm I'm very much I'm a stickler when it comes to some of this stuff. Um, and it's things around formatting, it's grammar, it's punctuation, it's all these things. But I think I think little things like that can be clues to someone's attention to detail, and you know that can translate into setting up email programs or emails or you know different different marketing programs and just really making sure that you are paying attention to everything you're doing and i think i've got part i think part of this for me comes from my client services days and and honestly a level of paranoia of like doing something wrong so for example when i worked at salesforce i i managed for a year and a half email deployments for gap Gap Inc. And uh, for two years what managed the team that did it. And we'd make really silly mistakes. We were sending billions of emails every year. We'd make silly mistakes, which are gonna happen. But, you know, I I had the paranoia of getting the phone call Mm -hmm. at midnight about an email deployment that went awry and then having to figure out why did this happen? How can we make it better? And so for me it's more of the I, I get I get really focus on the upfront activity, make sure you're doing your best to, to make sure it's correct and take the time you need. For me, I, I've just found things that work based on my style. So for example, I'm prone to make silly spelling mistakes. It's just my fingers, mm. my fingers work faster than my brain. For me, it's important to make sure, like if I'm sending an email, if I'm sending a LinkedIn post, whatever it is, that I do my best to make sure I'm representing me in the best light.
1: I think that's interesting, the attention to detail you bring up because there are marketing conversations that say, just ship it. Like, let's get stuff out the door. But that that doesn't mean that there should be spelling mistakes in that email. (laughs) So it's kind of like a, you need to move quickly, but you need to also make sure because... This could be the only chance you get to impress that that person who reads that email, and if they see a blatant spelling mistake or you get their name wrong, like why would they ever do business with you?
0: Yeah, and like don't be afraid to ask people. I I I have I ask people multiple times a day to review my work. Why wouldn't I? You know, even if it's a a social post or our company page.
1: Switching gears a little bit more into the branding and uh, advertising side of things what what does brand mean to you that's a good question
0: <laughs> it means a lot of things i think more and more brand it comes down to a couple of things it's the it's the authenticity of the business it's the it's the it's the purpose of the business and i think it's the the creativity so you know how does how does a company use some unique element to their brand to stand out You know, and so things like I I hate to go back and say Burger King again, but like Burger King uses, they they, flat out say creativity is a competitive advantage for them. They're never going to be a top spender from a media standpoint they're probably not going to be a top 5 fast food media spender and so that's why you know I said earlier they like ideas that scare the shit out of them it's because they like the idea of being creative as a way of, of standing out i want to do some more research around like gen z and and what are what are they thinking these days cuz it it seems like authenticity and having clear missions are more and more important to, to that generation and so I think that's that's where you know it, it, companies need to need to really focus their time and energy on what it it means to them and and actually live it out. One example back at Brand Week would highly recommend Brand Week as a conference for folks listening. Chibani, the president of Chibani was on stage, and Chobani is a yogurt company. That's kind of what you think of them as, but their their brand purpose is is universal wellness like they have missions around nutritional wellness they have missions around social wellness environmental wellness and one of the first things peter the president was talking about is you know in order for it to be authentic to who you are you have to be living it inside the company and out and Chabani was a great example of how they are living their mission inside and out and so when you see advertising or you see that they're doing, you know, different community outreach activities, like it it feels the more you're exposed to it, it feels authentic to them and to their mission. So and it doesn't feel forced. So those are, you know, that was a very long-winded answer to your question. But I think those are some of the things I think about today from a branding standpoint. And I think they are brands that can that are authentic to whatever mission or purpose they they exist to, to drive can stand out from a creative standpoint like those are competitive advantages that you know they're going to have over other companies that aren't doing that you know it's clutter
1: i i agree with you uh but i think you need to have that ownership within the company that each employee can live that it's not just nicely written on your website it's like if yeah. if, holistic, if holistic wellness is our in our brand dna but we're not letting our our employees have, I don't know, access to healthy lunches and paid time off to go do like recharge. Then you're not really living it. You're just using it as a a cover over or like some type of lens that you're trying to convince people that you're doing the right thing.
0: Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be ingrained in the organization and definitely a tops down. You know? It's also
1: it's also interesting too because as the purchasing ecosystem changes, like right now. People are at home uh, on their phone, probably spending more time purchasing through a cell phone than through a laptop. I think that I, I don't have any data there, but I've heard that a couple places that uh, people's just purchasing behavior has changed during this. But if you're able to just search the product you're looking for, a generic microphone, if I just search microphone... I'm looking at, I'm going to be price sensitive. I'm going to be like delivery sensitive. So if you really need to stand out in a, in a, in a market, that creativity and purpose and the storyline needs to be like really embedded in your company for people even to pay attention.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think Amazon is a great example too, where maybe it's a little cliche. You read all the time about customer, customer obsession, but it's, it's a very it's not, it's, it's a real thing. And so, you know, it's the idea of how can we make the experience, whatever it is, better for the customer? You know, like that, that is, that's a, you know, that's a very real component of how we do things. And so, you know, at the end of the day, the customer wins with that and and you build loyalty and you build a following. And so, I mean, it's it's different, you know, every business in, is and brand is going to be a little different, but, you know, I think there are, you know people people have a have a thirst for missions for authenticity for doing the right thing for standing for something and i think nowadays my hope is that more and more companies and brands start doing more of that
1: getting close to wrapping things up here i want to talk a little bit about advertising because All that's all the brand's great, but at a certain point, the advertising becomes the fuel to like. Once you dial in and you know who your customer is, and you have the offer that they want, and you know where they are, advertising becomes the fuel to just generate that profit faster than having to like very organically kind of build trust or whatnot. But at the same time, as you've kind of said, people are becoming pretty savvy. Like social media marketing or social media advertising didn't really exist ten years ago. Now we're just so used to it that we're becoming blurred the same way that people are kind of just blurred by TV advertising. And I'm not saying it's ineffective, but I'm just wondering if there are any types of advertising techniques or, or things that you're noticing right now that are kind of standing apart and, and you're seeing an interesting
0: sway in how people are thinking about advertising. Yeah, that's, a really, that's an interesting question. Because I think there's there's a couple trains of thought. I don't know. I'll, I'll name drop a little bit here, but John John Lombardo at uh, LinkedIn, part of the B two B Institute. It's fascinating to see. There's kind of two. There's I think there's two sides of of this. And you know, one is to be very targeted and personalized, like to use these buzzwords here: targeted, personalized to a specific audience. The other is broad reach repetitive, broad reach and increased frequency. And so, you know, I think I, I kind of sit in maybe the middle a little bit. Like I, I think it's important to have to, you know, I think it's important to have a customer first strategy. So you need to know who your customer is. Absolutely. You should know them in and out very, you know, whether it's a, you know, a enterprise decision maker or, a small business owner, You should know what their behaviors are, where, where they're shopping, where they're consuming news, where they're consuming content and, and, you know, and make sure you're present and your ads are relevant, but I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that you have to be so personalized that it kind of, I think there's a balance of the amount of effort into personalization you put, Versus making your message broad, but still relevant to a wide group of people. So, you know, and I think from a tactic standpoint, I don't know, man. I think, I think online, I think the digital space has gotten so cluttered. I, I posted about this on LinkedIn the other day, like and it was about Salesforce. They had a banner ad that I literally, I was scrolling down a page and a banner ad po- jumped out. It was the blue. It was the blue that popped out and it stopped me. I was like, Whoa, what is that? You know, it was like a very, it just felt alive on the page, but that's the first time a banner ad has stopped me in my tracks. And I can't tell you how long, you know, like I, I honestly, I, I'm, I, I'm favoring. Maybe it's cause I haven't seen, I've been locked in my house for three months and I haven't seen them that much, but I, I kind of go back to like the out of home. Like, I, I I like out of home. I like the the ownership of a space, the 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 lack of clutter around it. You well, know, that's as a channel. Like
1: the The lack of out of home advertising. So, meaning, yeah. just not worrying about people's computers and and doing kind of I don't know billboards and and prints and stuff like that.
0: It's just it's the whole idea of like you you need to stand out. So how do you stand out? You know, I think you can stand out by having quality advertising. So connecting with someone on an emotional level, whatever that may be. You can also stand out by owning the space. And and so I, I don't know. I just think there's something very, you know, old school about out of home. You know, maybe I get a little nostalgic about it. I don't know. And there's maybe something that like things online just feel a little creepy. These days, <laughs> yeah. even though I'm learning out of home can be very creepy too, but that's for another, that's, that's for when, another you, podcast. when you combine
1: that personalization <laughs> with out of home, then you're, you're asking for drugs. Yeah. The, 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 the craziest version of that, that, that just like hyper-precise customization is a friend of mine was watching me and another person like do a live, a live session on Instagram and he just had it playing out of his like phone speaker. And he went to close Instagram after 10 minutes of watching it. And boom, the first ad was something that the two of us had talked about on yeah. Instagram. He ha- it wasn't even him. It was like picked up from a thing he was watching.
0: Yeah, it's that's where I think I I, I haven't quite I haven't quite gotten to the point to where I'm comfortable. With like, it just I feel like there is a there's a creepiness to advertising, and you know I think it maybe it's healthy maybe it's healthy to have a little eh, you know is that is that too much? But it's you know I think it's it's fascinating the technologies that they're out there today and the things you can do. I mean, at the end of the day, everyone's trying to use their money as wise as possible and get the best ROI. But you know, people notice. People notice stuff like that, and and maybe for some people it's like, wow, I was, you know, I was thinking about that. That's great, thank you. Or you, you know, like the story you just told, it's like, wait, yeah, that's mm, that's a little too close to home. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see. Technology is going to continue to get creepier and creepier, right? So it'll be interesting to see how you know marketers use that. How how the public consumes it and i think it's it's a swing and you might you might find that marketing goes back to some of these older school strategies for mm-hmm. how to how to reach people and how to talk to them
1: Look, Rick, this has been awesome. Thanks a lot. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, going into depth about a couple of things you're thinking about. Rick's mostly active on LinkedIn, so uh, go reach out to him out there. It's Bowie, spelled BUIE spelled B U I E. Rick, thanks a lot, man.
0: You got it. Yeah, thanks, Storvs. My pleasure.
1: If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, then you're going to absolutely love what we're about to tell you. If you go online to topofmind.substack.com, and put in your email, you can get access to exclusive behind-the-scenes content inspired by this show. So there's going to be candid audio recordings that aren't going to be available anywhere else, not on Spotify, not on Apple, nowhere else except on topofmind.substack.com. But that's not it. It's also a platform where I can share written content, videos, links, and anything else that I come across directly with you. You're going to get access to it right away. You're going to get access to the whole library of archived posts. And you're also going to be the first to be notified when a new episode of Top of Mind comes out. So head on over to topofmind.substack.com. See you there. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, you're gonna absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to stewarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to this show. This is where I'm gonna share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. I also share some real-life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.